This podcast is a production of the Johns Hopkins University Press. To learn more, please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals. Thank you for tuning in to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. My name is Brian Shea, and I am the Public Relations and Advertising Manager in the Journals Division. The journal Shakespeare Quarterly recently unveiled a new website to allow for greater use of new media associated with essays published in the journal. The most recent issue, a special issue titled Hashtag Bard, took a look at the development of new media in relation to Shakespearean scholarship. Douglas Lanier, the guest editor of the issue and professor of English at the University of New Hampshire, joined us to talk about the issue. Thank you for joining me today, Doug. In your introduction to the issue, you talk about the last discussion of new media in Shakespeare Quarterly coming out seven years ago. What prompted the development of this special issue now? There are actually uh, several reasons. The first reason, I think, has to do with Shakespeare Quarterly itself. It was Gail Kern-Pastor, who's been the general editor of the journal, who thought it was time to reconsider Shakespearean new media, partly because the journal itself was in the process of accommodating new media in a number of ways. There, there's going to be a new electronic component to the article, uh, articles that are going to be published, which allows the issue to include some multimedia components. Uh, SQ is also going to have a new electronic So it seemed apropos to include some reflection on Shakespeare's relationship to new media while that process was taking place. And the other reason is that seven years is a lifetime or or (laughs) nearly a complete generation in terms of the development of new media. If you think back to seven years ago, YouTube Shakespeare was really in its infancy And the same could be said of social media. It was basically a youth market niche rather than something that invades all of our lives. And computer and network capacities made streaming sort of crude, and live broadcasts of of stage Shakespeare like NT Live were just beginning to be a thing. And actually it was seven years ago that the first generation of the iPad had just been released. So if you take all of those, they're testament to the speed at which new media develops and the speed at which the media sphere in which Shakespeare exists sort of reconfigures and recalibrates itself to accommodate those developments. So that change in the media sphere and the extent to which Shakespeare as a cultural phenomenon is constantly seeking new ways to exploit and accommodate it. It just seemed like it was a good time to reconsider the relationship between Shakespeare and media. Right, and talking about how new media evolves so rapidly, how do you deal when you're putting this together with the the reality that new media is developing very rapidly, but the publishing process for a print product like Shakespeare Quarterly is still a very patient, kind of thoughtful process that doesn't move as fast? It's interesting. There are trade-offs that have to be had there. On the one hand, scholars are sometimes, and maybe even often, publishing about these new media Shakespeare's kind of after they've had their heyday. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a belatedness into our that's that's a quality of our work that's built into the speed at which referee journals work, and that's I think especially a problem with internet Shakespeare because you can write about something, some postings or some sites 
that are already gone. And it puts a scholar sort of in the uncomfortable position of writing about something for which there's no longer any evidence. That, so that's the downside. I think the upside of this is that belatedness can sometimes be an asset. It frees the scholarly Shakespearean, I think, from the burden of being a journalist, that is, reporting on what's going on absolutely at the moment. And it gives a little bit of time for reflection, for contextualization, and for sort of distant analysis that might otherwise be lost if you're always trying to be absolutely up to the moment about what we're writing about. And, and I also think that the culture of scholarly reviews of theatrical performances, which are a very different thing than uh, journalistic reviews of performances, have, have sort of trained us to expect that there's some time it's going to elapse between a performance and its review in a scholarly journal. It's just, I think scholarly journals operate in a different sphere than the journalistic processing of Shakespeare and new media does. What did you learn putting this together? Obviously, you know, you this is a field you study, but you're probably always finding out new things when you put something like this together. One of the things I learned is that there's a lot of good work on <laughs> new media Shakespeare. I mean, there, the process of deciding what went into the issue was really quite a challenge. And um, so that's, first of all, I mean, we really struggled at times with just the the natural limitations of size and the kind of work that we wanted to publish. And I also learned a little bit about um, the challenges of publishing about new media and from an academic perspective. We had to address uh, the issue of copyright for images, which was mm -hmm. really a major barrier. And the other bit that I thought was really illuminating to me was the complex question of citation of new media Shakespeare. I'll give you an example. One of our essays concerned websites that addressed anorexia and bulimia that use uh, references to Ophelia. And um, th this essay really posed a challenge because most of the people posting on the website were minors, as they weren't yet 18, mm -hmm. or so they represented themselves. And so in order to publish this, we needed to get permission from creators of the sites, even if we could, you know, finding, uh, find out who they were, this, this ended up being difficult. And it was fraught with all kinds of legal and ethical challenges. Do you want to publish quotations from people who are underage, who are using Shakespeare for this kind of work, who may, once they have become 18 or they become older, are no longer interested in having these works preserved? And yet we're writing a scholarly article about them that will preserve them potentially for much longer than these people had intended. And there's no way to get around this by having conversations with parents or guardians or anything else. So that whole problem was not something I had thought through quite as thoroughly until we encountered it in the publication process. Mm -hmm. And, and it opens up some really difficult and really theoretically challenging questions about how you publish about this kind of material, especially since so much of new media Shakespeare is associated with youth culture. You had touched on this a little bit, the, the quality of work out there, the amount of good work out there. What was it like trying to find the right mix of people and, and the kind of content you thought would make this issue the best representative of the topic? 
we got a lot more submissions than we could ever publish. So really the question was making the decisions about the shape of the issue. I did a little bit of solicitation of scholars who, who did work on new media that I thought would be make good contributions for the issue. And we published some of that work, not all of that work. But uh, we started thinking about what were the topics that would be of interest to Shakespeare scholars. I knew we wanted to have something on live casting. I knew we wanted to have something on social media Shakespeare. It seemed to me that gaming was a new topic that had not been given sufficient visibility in Shakespeare studies. And I wanted to have one article on older media, something like the stage or the book, that would be reconsidered from a new media perspective. So fit became really the major consideration as the, as the issue came into shape as a whole. I wanted to make sure we covered a certain set of topics and opened up a certain set of questions when we were putting the issue together. It took seven years to get back to this issue <laughs> with the way things change, <laughs> with the way things change. How long, you know, what do you think will happen next? Do you think it'll be another seven years? How long do you think before a, a whole new crop of young academics or even senior academics who are, are dabbling in this, how long till they get their next say, do you think? You know, I'd say six or seven years at the very most. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just the rise and fall of new media and how, how, ever-changing this this media sphere is and the interest of the public in bringing you know as each new medium sort of rises to the top and rises to larger cultural attention then Shakespeare becomes attached to it in certain ways and the ingenuity with which practitioners create these new media Shakespeare's all of that suggests to me that there's going to be lots of material and if you just think of the gap between 2010 and 2017 and, and the difference in the way that media sphere looks, it, it strikes me that things are going to move. There's no reason to think that things will not move as fast as they have in the next six or seven years. So it seems to me we, we really will have a lot of new material and some unimagined material right now for us to, uh, to take account of. Right. Were there any last-minute edits where something changed between the time something was submitted as far as the technology goes? Not so far as the technology went. I mean, things weren't moving that fast. Okay. And I think we were uh, careful in choosing what we chose. But we did encounter some issues, that, to go back to that earlier issue, of copyright questions and questions essentially of authorship. Those Those really vexed us at certain moments, and we had to do some last-minute changes in order to accommodate legal issues and also copyright and ethical issues that arose during the editing process. And I suspect that those are going to come more and more to the fore as academic publishing takes on new media. And it will be quite the challenge in the future, I should think. Right, because I think the legal issues, the copyright issues, are evolving just as much as the technology and then, Precisely. Yeah, as it gets and into the academics. they aren't evolving fast enough to account for, I think every time the, the legal sphere tries to take account of where things are at, it's already moved <laughs> out from under their feet and it's moved to a new phase. It's extraordinary in, at the extent to which, the speed at which things are moving. And, and like publishing, le- the legal system is another one that is always belated and is always working 
you know, after the fact, it seems to me. Right. So, so many different layers, and, and it's it's a lot of rich content. And I think it's great that the new website is there to help add to the experience of this issue and moving forward for Shakespeare Quarterly. I, I think so, too. I think it's a, it, it's a brave new world, for <laughs> to coin a phrase, uh, for uh, Shakespeare Quarterly. And I'm, I'm very pleased that it was kicked off with this particular issue. That's great. Well, thank you for joining us today, Doug. I, it was great to talk about this and learn a little more. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this Johns Hopkins University Press podcast. Please visit press.jhu.edu slash journals for more information.